time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do, God. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray that your word would come alive in us, God. Amen. Amen. James 5.16b, here we go. I'm going to go out of the New Living Translation. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then... When he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So here's James talking about Elijah. And I just like this language where he says he's human just like we are. Nothing, nothing to set him different than you and me. You and I have access to God like Elijah. And this doesn't sound like a big deal to you if you think only in Sunday school story. But in this context, where these people, the Jewish community, had known Elijah to be the guy that operated in signs and wonders. They knew of Elijah to be the guy who literally had called down fire from heaven. Elijah to be the guy that called down rain and it rained. Plugged up the heavens and it plugged up the heavens. When he prayed, God worked. God did stuff. And so... For you and for me, when we think about prayer, sometimes it's easy for us to think that it's for superheroes, that it's for a different class of Christian. It's for a different kind of person. And all of us, even when we hear Elijah being a man of prayer, we think, oh, we we want to be that one day. Very rarely do we think, I feel like I've arrived. I feel like I am that person in prayer. And a lot of times we can take all of the scriptures that tell us to pray Without ceasing, to devote yourselves to prayer, to pray consistently, to pray and not give up, to devote yourself to prayer. All the stuff, we can know it in our head and think sometimes, yeah, I'm a person of prayer. But what I have found is that very rarely, unless we set a time and a place, do we actually become people of prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sometimes we say, well... I'm the kind of person that my life is a prayer. Well, that's great. I like that, and that's good, and that's cool. But I'm talking about something beyond just that my life is a prayer. I'm talking about where we actually spend time where the sole thing that we're doing is pray. Where that's what we're doing. Yes, of course, absolutely, we can be a people that do other things while we pray. We can practice the presence of God while we pray. We are that. We are today the living temples. And so no longer do we go to a temple No, instead, we are the temple. I get that. But I'm talking tonight about you and I setting aside time, like did the disciples, and that's where we'll go tonight, where we set aside time to actually pray. Sometimes we can have all the mystique of it, but not actually do it. I I knew this when I first moved here. I was 23 years old, and I had just gotten married in May of uh, 2000. My wife and I... Renata moved here in June of 2000, so literally we got married in May, went on our honeymoon. The day that we got back from our honeymoon, we packed a U-Haul and moved to Colorado. 
And within the first week of arriving, I found out that my office was in the World Prayer Center. And I thought, ha that's cool. And I worked at the World Prayer Center. I was like, what's up? And then I started reading books on prayer. I was like, wow. I was reading all these people that like to pray. Not only to work at a prayer center, but I read books about prayer. And somehow in my head, I thought, I'm a prayer guy. I'm a prayer dude. I, when, you, when you look up prayer, it's me. I'm a, I work, bro, I work at the World Prayer Center. I wear khakis, and I work at the World Prayer Center. And I was like, I have arrived. I mean, I am down 23. I can flex my muscles. Look at these prayer muscles. Because I work at the World Prayer Center. I wear khakis, and I got prayer books on my bookshelf. I am a prayer guy. I actually had a cubicle, but I'll call it an office. So I remember just having those thoughts. And for the first few months, I could live off of that. What's up, dude? What's your name? My name's David. Oh, cool. What do you do? I work at the World Prayer Center. Really? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's up now? Prayer Center guy. Uh huh. Oh, and this is what everybody would ask. They're like, oh, are you in the youth group? No. No, I am a grown up. I have a wife. And I work at the World Prayer Center. We're talking the globe. Everybody in the world wishes they could pray where I work. That's, my, that's where I got my cubicle. But a few months in, it started to hit me. All right? I work at the World Prayer Center. I've got prayer books. And I actually had a title. Youth Prayer Director. <laughs> it meant nothing. It was just a title. I had a title with the word prayer. I had books on my bookshelf. With the word prayer. I walked into a building daily that had the word prayer. And from all appearances, it looks like prayer guy. What the? I think for you and for me, we've got a church, has prayer, we've got a building, we got prayer groups in our youth group, we got prayer stuff happening all around, we got campuses where we're praying on campus and so it's easy to get in the culture where there's a prayer accelerator taking place where we're kind of moving forward and we see the word everywhere we talk about it but i remember realizing after i was not so enamored with my title my books the building and my khakis That realistically, I wasn't praying. And so, I needed a system. And I had this brilliant idea. Brilliant. I'm telling you, it takes hyper-intelligence. But I decided to plan out a time and a place. And then I got some long-haired musicians to promise me they'd meet me there. And, we de- and I developed six times in the same place where we would meet to pray. A time and a place. Signed on the dotted line, made the agreement. Ah, here we go. And I'll tell you this. All of a sudden, 
a year later, after one year of those being in place, I thought of myself not as a prayer person in title, but in reality. Why? Because of quite simply, structurally committing to a time, committing to a place. And you show up, and all there is to do is pray with the long-haired hippies who sing songs about God and pray. And that, that began for me a transition where I wasn't just excited and a cheerleader for prayer, but where prayer actually became a part of my journey. Where prayer actually became a part of my life. And I've watched it with students that joined the furnace for years. They say, I'm not a prayer person. I'm not a prayer guy. I'm not a prayer. I'm not into prayer. Until they go, all right, I'll sign the application, turn it in, get accepted sometimes, get accepted, and then, lo and behold, they show up for three two-hour prayer meetings week after week after week after week. And after a year of that, they're like, Holy smokes, all I do is pray. That's what I do. And I know that this sounds elementary, but let me tell you. One of the reasons why many people do not pray is they don't have a time and a place where they're committed to do it. And they live under the fantasy, like Disneyland, that they're a prayer person. But really... There is no actual praying. It's just, it's just kind of this beautiful fake thing like Mickey Mouse and Santa Claus. They just, I don't know, I, I pray. But it's, it's not real. And I'm not trying to be a critic tonight. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just trying to put words to what we all really know. It's like the story of the emperor's new clothes. When a kid finally goes, the dude's naked. Everybody's like, oh. And I'm telling you, it's easy for you and I as Christians to live in America, in church culture, talk prayer, pretend like we got prayer going on. But when you look at the last 168 hours, did you take some time to pray, to focus? And you go, well, I do some prayer on the run, you know, I do like, a little bit of prayer here and a little bit of prayer there. And that's great. I, 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 I count that as prayer. But I, I want to talk specifically tonight about a time where you push everything else out for the purpose of diligently and earnestly standing before God in the place of prayer for something. Yeah. Believing God to move. I believe one of the greatest things we need to just actually get the, the motor going is a commitment to a time and a place. A commitment as simple as it sounds. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to already go through some kind of training to pray. To be, you know, successful in a lot of things, you, need, you just need that, that X factor, right? If you're going to be in the NFL, you just need to be a big guy. You just do. I mean, you can watch Rudy over and over and over again. 
and pretend and fantasize in your mind. But if you're my size or Stefan's size or Daniel Webb's size, the reality is it's just straight up true. It's going to be really hard to make the NFL. I mean, and even the movie Rudy, I mean, he plays one play and everybody's like, oh, I mean, it's it's cute. It's cute. It's nice. It's nice. But he's not like a big deal. I mean, I know, I know I'm offending some of you, but come on. Right? There's just something, if you're going to, if you're going to be a doctor, you just need to be smart. And I know some of you just got depressed because you're like, I want to be a doctor, but I make single digits on my ACT and I've lost every spelling bee to third graders. Okay. I, I, I know you just got offended right there, but, but listen, if you're not smart, I don't want you to be my doctor. <laughs> I mean, you can aim high, but you're, I wish you'd be somebody else's doctor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, there's just, there, if we're going to have, a, if you want to be a doctor, at the end of the day, if you're going to have patience, you got to be bright. You know, you got to, you got to be kind of smart. If you're going to be a rock star, you need to know some music. You got to be able to sing, barely, but just, you, 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 you <laughs> Right? You got to have some music. You got to have some skill. The great thing about this thing called prayer, you can be as big or small as you want to be, or not that you chose, but whatever, doesn't matter. Your intelligence, you don't have to be too bright. That's good news. Truthfully, you don't have to sing well. Trust me, I know I do jumping jacks and sing off key at the front of every worship session. And you, no matter what your skill set or your appearance, you can be mighty in the place of making an eternal difference on the planet in the place of prayer. And, and, and I'm not trying to be trite, but in, the reality is, is that no matter who you are, where you come from, what your gifting is, what you look like, what your talents are, when it comes to standing in the place of prayer, your age, your looks, your talents, even your intelligence are not the thing, are not the measuring stick to success. It is the place of consistency and faith coming back to God over and over, over again. And we as DSM, we are committing ourselves to stand in the place of prayer and we're looking for people, young men and women, that are consistent in a time and a place. Straight up. It's a time and a place. This could be, this, you never know what this might be for you, but this might be the moment where you, struggling with whatever you've been struggling with, uncertain as you may be, filled with fear, lacking purpose, wherever you might be tonight, it is ultimately not a church, a book, a resource, a sermon, a song that will set you free. It is Jesus himself. And the best way to meet God is to come before him intentionally. Put your heart before God. Take your cold, dull, brittle, broken heart. Put it before the fiery God, the bonfire of his love and delight. And over and over and over again come into the place of prayer. And over time you're transformed. So I want to take a few minutes and I just want to look. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, says that the disciples constantly gathered in the place of prayer. Acts 1, 14. Let's just read this together. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Say constantly. Say constantly. constantly. 
So here this is talking about the disciples. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the disciples, Mary, his brothers, they're gathering at the place of prayer, early Christianity. And this is right before the Acts 2 Pentecost, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they go and they're, okay, they're, they're the leaders. Jesus has just told them, you're going to be my disciples in the entire world. You're going to be world changers. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go do the stuff. Go do what I've been doing. Go baptize. Go all over the world. At this point, you might think, all right, early church leaders, what would early church leader, what would church leaders today do? Well, we might get together and strategize. Let's talk turkey. Let's just talk real. Okay, James. Okay, John. All right, Philip. Okay, Thomas. Jesus told us to go into the entire world. Let's strategize. Let's talk. I mean, that's even my proneness. If that was me, I'd look at my guys. I'd be like, all right, Stefan, you take Tibet. Dano, you take the Hawaiian Islands. Tyrell. Arkansas, yeah. Tyrell, you go to Arkansas. I mean, it, it would be tempting just to be like, let's think through this. Let's strategize. Right? But they don't gather to strategize. In fact, they don't even get together to like study apologetics and start to figure out other religions of the world. Let's just get together and read and kind of try to take seven or eight years to study. And No, they've been with Jesus. When they gather together, they don't strategize. The big effort of the day is not reading. It's not just fellowshipping like hang time. The constant word, when, when, when Luke writes here what they're doing constantly, the word is not, they chill. They were chill. They were cool. They hung out. They were like, what's up? Let's just chill for a while. Let's be bros. Before we can do anything, we got to hang. No, they'd already done that. Now, they're getting filled up. Constantly in the place of prayer. It says that they're constantly in the place of prayer. Acts 2.42 adds a few ideas. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Here it is. And to, what's that word? Prayer. Say it like you mean it. Prayer. Say it like you love it. Prayer. Say it like you're going to do it. Prayer. Say it like you believe it. Prayer. All right, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want to read for you Acts chapter 12. One more story. We're going to read out of the message. All right, here we go. All right, intriguing story here. That's when King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. He murdered James, John's brother. All right, so James has died now. So whenever you hear Peter, James, and John, he just died. He was just murdered for his faith in Jesus. He murdered, so Herod murdered James, John's brother. And when he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings with the Jews, he arrested Peter. All right, so Herod goes, all right, I just killed one of Jesus' disciples. And now the Jews love me, so I'm going to go arrest Peter. Which we understand that Peter's next. The plan is, I'm going to take Peter out. All this during Passover week, mind you, and had him thrown into jail. 
putting four squads of soldiers, each to guard him. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. Verse 5, all the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Let me just say that again. The church prayed for him most strenuously. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. And there were guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place. Herod was taking no chances. Verse 7. Suddenly there was an angel at his side and light flooding the room. The angel shook Peter and got him up. Hurry! The handcuffs fell off his, his wrist. The angel said, get dressed. Put on your shoes. Peter did it. Then grab your coat and let's, let's, grab your coat and let's get out of here. That just sounds like an angel, right? Grab your coat and let's get out of here. Lamo. All right. Peter followed him. This is a crazy story. Peter followed him, but didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. All right. Verse 10. Past the city guard and then this, past this, the first guard and then the second, they came to the iron gate that led into the city. It swung open before, before them on its own and they were out on the street. Free, free as the breeze. (laughs) I don't care who you are, that's funny stuff. All right. We're going to read from the message every week. At the first intersection, the angel left him. Bad angel. At the first intersection, the angel left him going his own way. That's when Peter realized it was no dream. I can't believe it. This really happened. The master sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production. (laughs) His lynching. All right. And the spectacle the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Still shaking his head, amazed, he went to Mary's house. The Mary who was John Mark's mother. The house was packed with praying friends. When he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was. But when she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, she was so excited and eager to tell everyone Peter was there that she forgot to open the door and left him standing in the street. But they wouldn't believe her, dismissing her, dismissing her report, you're crazy, they said. She, she stuck by her story, insisting. They still wouldn't believe her and said, it must be his angel. All this time, poor Peter was standing out in the street, knocking away. Finally, they opened up and saw him and went wild. Peter put his hands up and calmed them down. He described how the master had gotten him out of jail. Then said, tell James and the brothers what happened. He left them and went off to another place. All right. Intriguing. This is the fun part of the story. Here's Peter. Peter's in jail. His friend, you know, there's triplets, Peter, James, and John. And they weren't really triplets. I was just kidding. All right, yeah, triplets rock. So... 
But anyway, so here's Peter, James, and John. They're friends with Jesus. And James is killed by Herod. And Herod decides he's going to throw Peter in prison to try to win the applause of the Jews. Peter's death is imminent. It's about to happen. The angel comes, sets Peter free. It's the middle of the night. And here's the crazy thing. Here's what I want you to get. All that for this. What was the church doing? No, no, no. What was the church doing? Now listen, listen. Theologians, they they differ on why they were praying. There are some that say this was a special all-night prayer meeting. That they were praying specifically for Peter because... Of the fact that Peter's thrown in prison and they knew about what had happened to James. And so they just, they decided to pray through the night. There are others that say, no. What we read in Acts 1, that they gathered together constantly in prayer. What we read in Acts 2 was that they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to communion, to fellowship, and to prayer. That the church was always, the early church was in perpetual prayer. That it was just a part of what they did to pray around the clock. Either way... They're sacrificially, the church, in the moment of crisis, praying. In the moment where things are tough, you find them, you find the church praying, seeking God. It's the middle of the night, and they're in the place of prayer. Last Saturday night, we told you that we as a student ministry, are going to begin, have begun, began October 11th, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, crying out, asking God for a move of God in our hearts, in our church, in our campuses, in our city, in our generation, in the nations of the world. We believe, if you look throughout history, there's all kinds of examples And I may even go through some of those next week. But the first and the foremost is that you need to see is that Jesus comes, dies on a cross, raises from the dead, hangs out for 40 days with his disciples, ascends into heaven, and then the early church is constantly gathering in the place of prayer. That's what they do. That's what we want to do. Why? Why do we do it? Well... Number one, I believe God delights in it. I just believe God delights in it. Proverbs 15, 8. Proverbs 15, 8 says, He delights in the prayers of the righteous. Or the message says the genuine. He delights. He delights when we pray. Imagine if we are constantly, constantly, Acts 1, 14, in the place of worship, praying, Asking God for our schools, for the lost, for healings, for our leaders. And I know for a lot of times, for, a lot of, a lot, for quite a few years, I've wrestled with this idea. thought, God, what is the model? What's the model that, that you want? You know? Is it, in a, is it two by two in different houses? Is it, is it in one room? Does it matter? And I just want to tell you that what we're doing here as we launch this, this is not the model. This is a model. This is a way. The reality is, is that when you look throughout church history, you find the early church praying perpetual prayer around the clock. Yes, you find, and 
you find all throughout the monastic movement, you find different monasteries and places where they would pray through the night. As you look post-Luther, you find missions movements that did it. You find college campuses where it's happened. You find different places where 24-7 prayer has taken place. And I, I, and I love that. But I just want you to lock in with, think about, I'm not talking about a denomination where they mobilize thousands of local churches to pray around the clock. I'm not talking about a monastery where people move to the hills and all they do is pray. I'm talking about how much does God delight in a youth group that prays 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How awesome when teenagers, 20-somethings, gather round the clock. I think God looks at us, and I think there's a huge smile. I think he delights. Secondly, I think it's our delight. It's just straight up our delight. Psalm 36, 7 says, How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among, among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of delights. When you come and you pray and you seek God, you find delight. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You find delight in God. A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with God. You and your friends and the human race... You're going to be preoccupied with something. You're going to be fascinated, moved, stirred on the inside by something. It could be to make it to level 75 of World of Warcraft. Could be to build a farm on Farmville. It could be yet another round of movies. It could be anything. It could be your image and trying... You're preoccupied with looking good. So many things. Imagine the delight of the human heart that's preoccupied with its creator, with its maker, with the God of the ages. We desire for that to be our story. Number three, reason we do this. It's just the verse that I read to start. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Straight up. Straight up, it does stuff. When we pray, God works. We'll see God move. We'll see his power. We'll see results. May not be like we wanted. May not be as much as we wanted. But one day, when we get to heaven, and our little prayer movement, our little youth group is TiVo'd. We look back with God, we look back and we see prayers for campuses, prayers for healing, prayers for the lost. We will not say, God, I I don't know how, I don't know how it worked. I don't, was I wasting my time? God, somehow I thought there would have been more. No. The response of the human heart, when we look back at human history, everything that you read in Revelation, the believers are constantly in awe and wow of how God orchestrated human history. And everything that he says turns out to be true. Holy caboose is God. That's right. 
prayer did make a difference. You said to ask, and I did, and it mattered. You said to seek, you said to knock. And God, when I was praying for TCA, you were doing that and that and that. And my temptation was to just kind of give up on it and call it the religious. But no, 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 you were doing that. And oh, what? Yeah, God, you were really awesome. And he'll go, thank you. No, God, you really are smart. He'll go, actually, I know all things. Wow. No, God, I mean, now that I look back outside of space and time, I mean, we're looking back. God, you were doing that. And then my prayer, he'll go, thank you, Pee Wee. I appreciate it. No, God, I really want you to know you are so awesome. He'll go, yeah. Yeah, hallelujah. what we say actually in Revelation 19 says, we say, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The most powerful God, the God who has all power, he reigns. And we go, goodness gracious, you rock, God. You were all-knowing, you were all-powerful, you are all-knowing, you are all-powerful, and you use the prayers of 15-year-olds to change the world. You're amazing. He'll go, what's up now? Now you get it. Now you get it. What if you would have got it when you were 16? What if you'd have locked in with it when you were 17? Man, we don't want to be the people that are in our 60s going, man, maybe we should give prayer a shot. No. We want to be the ones that say, we're not going to give hedonism, the, the pursuit of pleasure, a shot. We're not going to give the love of money or the love of fame a shot. We can see we're smart enough to look at what it's done in our culture. We're smart enough to look at how the celebrities end up in our culture. And we're not so dumb to run after those things. Instead, we're going to believe the word of God. We're going to spend our time doing something that matters. And instead of being preoccupied with entertainment, movies, and culture, preoccupied with self, We are preoccupied with the God of all gods, with the King of all kings. And we're going to stand in the place of prayer day in and day out, morning, night, morning, afternoon, night, middle of the night, morning, afternoon, night, morning, evening, five o'clock news, whoops, missed it in the prayer room, seven o'clock, Monday night football, whoops, we missed it. Why? Because we had people in the prayer room crying out, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we are dependent on you. We do not see our primary source of strength and energy is our own zeal, our own strategy, our own thinking. We think first and foremost, the first thing that we do, the first thing of who we are, as we stand in the place of prayer, believing for God in our midst. That's the number one thing that we do. That's why we gather. That's why we're going to unite. That's why we're going to put little tiny groups together, praying, crying out to God in the furnace prayer room. Fourth reason is this. This one's deep. Because we can. Straight up. We live in a time, who knows Who knows what other cultures, other people in time have been able to do. We just happen to live in a free nation where we can assemble to pray. We just happen to possess on our campus a big fat daddy world prayer center. So instead of just planning parties there, we're actually going to plant prayer there. We have interns that moved here from all over the country and they actually live in there. So they get to pray through the night. And most, first and foremost, 
we have a band of people in this room tonight that are willing. That in their heart, Jesus is a big deal. His word is true. The methodology that we embrace is to talk to God in the place of prayer. And so, we embrace it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do tonight. Tonight's not an emotional night. Tonight's a commitment night. And I believe that if you will commit to a time and a place, it will be one of your best practical ways to become a man or woman of prayer. And I'm going to ask you tonight to commit. Nico, if you want to come on up. Candice, if you can bring those up. Here's what we're going to do. We have three different ways for you to commit to prayer. Number one, we pray here at 5.30 every single week from 5.30 to 6.30. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Number two, I want to invite you to be a part of one of the campus prayer meetings. Lead on your campus. Pray where it's already taking place. There's already campus prayer meetings taking place. Or three, I want to encourage you to sign up, be it 30 minutes, be it one hour, it doesn't matter. We're not dependent on you. We've already got it with interns going round the clock. It's not dependent on you, but we want to invite you and as many people praying as possible. If it's 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. If it's an hour, it's an hour. It doesn't matter the time because we're always there. I want you to find a time, a slot, some place in your calendar where you can pray. You can come in there. You don't have to pray our agenda. You can come in there and you can pray for anything that God places on your heart. Yes, when you walk in, there's all kinds of things. There's a, a, a wall where you can see people that need Jesus that don't know Jesus. You can pray for the nations. You can pray, you can pray for high schools. You can pray for junior highs. You can pray for missionaries. There's all kinds of visible prayer eye candy for you to see. Or you can come in with an agenda of your own. You're praying for your mom and dad. You're praying for restoration with a friend. You're praying for salvation at your school. I don't know what it is. But I would encourage you to commit to something. I don't, you may, you may feel nothing tonight. But I want to encourage you as a desperate, you are going to be, you're committed, you're going to stand in the place of prayer. What I'd like you to do Would you come up here? While we sing this next song, I'd like you to pick up one of these. On this stair, there's two different cards. On this stair, this is the one that says your name, your school, all that. And then you you say, I'm going to come at 530. I'm going to come. I'm going to join a time in the furnace prayer room. Or we have some some of the campuses that when we did the series and we talked about campus prayer, these are just some of the ones. Like Rampart, every day, 645 at the flagpole. TCA Ignite lunch at Portable 20. We have some of them listed. You can make that, you can check that, all right? But I want to encourage you to pick some time, some place, pick one of these. Then all of you can take one of these with you, put it in your Bible. It's cardstock, it's half sheet. And this is 56 different prayer leaders at three hours. 56 times three is 168. 24 times seven is 168. This is round the clock. And you can see the different times. You can take this with you. This fits in your Bible. But I want to encourage every single one of you, every single one of you, stand in the place of prayer. So as we sing the song, I'd like to encourage you, pick up one of these, 
Fill out the one, the one that says DSM big on it. Fill that one out and put it in this box right over here. All right, so fill it out. You write your name, school, all that. Check the box. Put it in. And then you show up week after week. We're going to be people to pray. That's just a core value. See, we've got this sign that says intercession, right? Where is it? All right, half of you, half of you are still trying to figure out what that word is. You're like, enter what? It's a core value, but I don't know what it is. All right, man, we want it to be central as to who we are. We are going to cry out to God in prayer. These are some easy avenues for you to do it. Stand your feet. I'm going to pray for you, and I'd like you to come fill these out. Jesus, I ask, Lord God, that you would receive a great reward from DSM. God, we want to be a people marked by prayer. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us. Help us to commit no matter our emotions. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.